What's going on, folks? Welcome to another show. This is the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. Sincere Hogan, Mike Mahler. Again, people, if you would just be privy to the conversations that go on before this show starts, you know what? But, you know, who knows? Mike and I might make it possible for you to actually hear some of these conversations in the near future. <laughs> I think that's going to be some bonus gold right there, man. I think that's worth a purchase. payments of nine ninety nine, and it's all yours. I like it. <laughs> I'm monetizing man on the show. I like it. <laughs> but, yeah, man, it's a great show today. Um, I have one of my good friends I've known for a long time and been wanting to get this guy on the show for a while and making it happen right now. So I want to welcome my man, Dr. Kwame Brown. What's up, Kwame? Yeah, wait a minute. Let me say it again. Dr. Kwame Brown. See, that was one of the things we were talking about right before the show. I know people are like, wait a minute. Like, Kwame. You know, first of all, the hip-hop people out there are like, Kwame is a doctor now? <laughs> you know? Exactly. And I, and he's come, I, he's I come always, a long way. He's come a long way from I always uh, try to tell people um, I'm taller than him, less corrupt than the other one, and can shoot better than the third one. <laughs> and, and hold on, he means shooting a basketball. Okay, not, yeah, right, right. not a fellow basketball player. Okay. Oh man, so hey man, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm glad to be on here with you guys. And uh, Mike, uh, you should know that I, I have a cousin that's a huge fan of yours. Uh, so oh, it'll be psyched. Oh, I like uh, that. You're not a fan. You know, you know I got never heard of you. Oh, I, I, I hate you. I hate you, but he, he likes you for some odd reason. <laughs> but I was you thinking know, the you know, same. Kwame, that's, that's funny, Kwame, because my third cousin is actually a huge fan of yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, man. For the folks that don't know, the reason why Kwame has doctor in front of his name, he is a doctor in neuroscience, which is great. Because when we start talking about fitness and movement and things like that, we have a lot of people out there claiming to be experts and, and gurus and all this, that, and the other. And they're always basically, I guess you could say, passing around research they find on the Internet, especially Facebook, passing around like it's a spliff, okay, and just puff, puff, pass, but not necessarily doing their research themselves and just taking it for what it is. And here's someone that's actually not only in the lab, but also in the field, and that's where the difference goes right there. So, Kwame, let's, uh, just, let's talk about your days. Like, what, what led you, man, to go to, from neuroscience and actually incorporate this with being active and also how you brought that to a niche that really, really needs I don't know, more understanding, more activity, and not necessarily more fitness when we start talking about the niche of children and, ch and child development, especially when it comes to physical activity. Oh, so, you know, you mean most neuroscientists don't go into parks and recreation after they do their postdoc? Well, if they do, it's probably, some might do it after <laughs> dark, and it may not be for legal reasons. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, I, um, you know my, I'm, I'm probably getting tired of my own story at this point, but, uh, you know, I was a you know, I'll give you the short version. I was a kid that didn't move well, and, and you know, I, I was able to, I was lucky enough to, to have contact with a lot of great teachers, great movement teachers uh, during my adolescence. And, you know, it, it uh, let me uh, do things that I never thought possible with my own body. And uh, part of that uh, journey and, and part of uh, gaining those abilities was that I found things that I found joy in. Uh, and, and that really started to give me some clues about um, the other aspects of movement. You know, we, we also, you know, we concentrate on motor skill development and uh, skills and, and, and uh, achievements and performance. But the other side of that, the, the thing that really feeds all those things is, is finding a love for something. So, 
you know, I really started to, you know, aside from just exploring uh, sensory motor development, in, in my dissertation was in sensory motor development in, in spinal cord injury. So, you know, how, how injury and setbacks um, sort of change our, uh, can change our developmental trajectory. Uh, I experienced that in my own life. I had a pretty bad uh, leg break. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, didn't really walk without a limp for about a year and a half. Uh, so right during my growth spurt. So, so that, that didn't help me. Um, so I was always interested in, in sort of this mind-body connection. You know, how, how did our, our brains, you know, work with our bodies and, and vice versa? Um, I also was always uh, more interested in uh, making impact than I was in uh, developing a career or in uh, being quote-unquote, a scientist. Um, I, I like that part of things, but uh, my, my father always told me, uh, he raised me with the phrase, make yourself useful, boy. <laughs> so, you know, I was always setting out to do that. And uh, during my postdoc, I didn't really feel like I was being that useful, uh, studying, you know, strapping patients to a pole and studying arm swing patterns in spinal cord injury patients. Uh, so I thought I might, um, you know, really make my second career my first one. And, you know, throughout grad school, I had been working as a personal trainer uh, for, you know, just to make extra cash and because I loved uh, movement and had already started working with kids because uh, people just would come to me. Um, so, you know, I, I really just started to explore different ways to bring movement to kids who ne weren't necessarily on the team. Uh, you know, I worked with a lot of kids that were on the team. I worked with a lot of high-level athletes. But whatever, where my main interest uh, lie was uh, trying to get kids uh, on the field that were on the couch, uh, not necessarily play sports, but just outside and moving. Uh, so that's how I got here. Um, you know, and, and I've always, I guess, sort of been more interested in, uh, you know, the journey than the destination. Now, here's the question. Now, we hear, for those that see you online, and we've heard for the past few years, you know, active play. And there are still some people out there don't even understand what that means because so many people are so focused on physical fitness and working out, you know, those things right there. Since I can't do air quotes or anything like that because I look pretty stupid. That's why I'm kind of emphasizing those words right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much, can you just explain, like, just let everybody know what exactly is active play and how does that pertain to the, your core audience, like who you're reaching as far as who you're putting your programs together for, and necessarily is that just is it just for them or anyone else? Well, so my core audience is very easy to identify. Uh, it's humans. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's, uh, <laughs> I think, 7 billion and change of us. Uh, <laughs> so it, as soon as I can get like 50% of them to sign up for the website, then I'll be set. Uh, <laughs> right. But, but uh, I, you know, active play, really, you, you know, if I'm to differentiate right, right away, active play uh, versus exercise or even sports, I would say doing the thing for the sake of itself and doing the thing for the joy of it. In fact, amateur, if you look up the origin of that word, it is doing something for the love of it. Uh, so, so really it's about being an amateur mover, not being concerned about the professionalization, not being concerned about what people think of you. That I, you know, I, less and less as I get older I, do I move because I, I'm concerned about what people think of me or gaining a trophy or trying to get money. Uh, and what we find, too, if we really look at people's lives, is that the money and the adoration and things like that that come with being physically fit was a side effect 
of, of doing what, what they loved uh, versus it being an obsession. Uh, and, and that's what I'm very concerned about, especially with the identification uh, of the obesity crisis uh, in the United States, which is an insane thing to name something. It's, it's like naming the common cold the sneeze crisis. Uh, <laughs> it's not the root of the problem. <laughs> so we, you know, we've got a poorly named problem that's creating all kinds of obsessions. And we've seen an uptick in eating disorders uh, as we started talking about obesity. Uh, because we are immediately focused on how how uh, large a, a child is uh, and how large a teenager is instead of what they're doing. Uh, so I want to I wanted to focus people back on what we can do. And you know the other reason that I chose active play is, you know people keep saying to me concerning character development and concerning health, that, oh we need kids more kids involved in sports. And I asked my sports psychology class uh, a couple weeks ago. How many sports were played at your high school? The, the highest number I heard was 14. And then I asked them, how many games do you think we've played during our time on this planet? And they, you know, sat there and thought, and they said, it must be thousands. I said, it's probably much more than that. And so what I want people to do is expand. Instead of just thinking about moving a bunch of times to burn a bunch of calories, and you know, I always tell people you can shoot kids up full of heroin and have them jump up and down in a closet and they'll get skinnier. Uh, so, you know, okay, but what are we doing? Charlie, the, that's called a Charlie Sheen method. Okay. That's a, yeah, right. We can have the Charlie Sheen workout. Uh, but what, you know, what are we really concerned about with our kids? What, if you ask most parents what they want for their kids, they want to be happy, well-adjusted, right? It, it, really, success is third, you know, fourth down on the list when you talk to most parents. So let's let's focus on what can you know help people live more joyful lives while still living a purposeful life. Right. Yeah. I actually see like I think a lot of times with parents they see one or two things. They either see on one side of it, no, let's get them, let's get our kids in organized sports because a it'll help keep them out of trouble. And which which kind of makes me look at the parents like, okay, what kind of trouble they're getting in? Where are you? You know, when you know exactly like what part are you playing in this? But, you know, it helps keep them out of trouble, helps keep them disciplined, gives them something to focus on. Again, a lot of things I'm like, okay, you're also removing yourself out of the equation, parent, by doing that. You're kind of letting someone else raise your kid in those situations. But, you know, but also you, they may say it's good for social, inter, you know, interacting and, and really helping to build their character by being with other kids on a team which, again, they're excluding the other kids that are not on the team. It's as if those kids are insignificant. And then on the flip side of that, on a more negative aspect, I think a lot of times parents are looking at this big, giant picture that does not exist where if I get them in sports, then, you know, if I keep them active, if I do them, get them there in an early age, throughout the years he'll get better and better and better, and then, hey, who knows? He might end up in the NBA, the NFL. And then, you know, he can make a lot of money. He'll be successful. He'll get out of the hood. He'll, keep, you know, he'll do this, that, and the other. And, hell, he'll buy me a house and pay me back because, hey, at least I, hey, I gave birth to him. And that's the least you could do is buy your mama a house, <laughs> you know, something like that. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's so either way, when you look at it, whether it's done with good intentions or for really, really, like, personal things right there, man. I think either way it goes, I think the kid ends up losing out when you look at that that way. What do you think, man? I think so, too. Um, Sincere, actually, is it possible I can call you guys back? We can pick this back up. I got a sick kid in the back seat, man. We, you know, daughter's actually been throwing up all day. Oh, um, no problem. So we need to stop somewhere and, and clean her up. Uh, is, is it possible to call you guys back? 
Yeah, just uh, yeah, sure. yeah. I can, I, I can edit. I can edit it and put you know piece it all back together, man. Okay, excellent. Uh, give me about fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, no problem. No problem. We'll okay, sorry about this, guys. Okay, no problem, man. <laughs> we should we should keep that in there on the on the. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, live. That'd be hilarious. Like cause that's just so that's just so funny, man. Like I was like, what do you think about that? Well, actually, I need to call you right back, man. Like, you know, <laughs> My daughter's throwing. My daughter's throwing. At first, I didn't know I didn't know if he was joking at first. Right, at first I was yeah. like, okay, this little funny man over here. And then I was like, "Oh, you're serious." <laughs> it's like, yeah, let me let me be a responsible parent and take care of my daughter, <laughs> unlike these other parents that we're talking about in this question that you just threw. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, "Shut up! I'm on the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, go upstairs. Well, I'm throwing up. Who cares? Just hey, I'll give it to you. Yeah, you got parents like that because <laughs> I got to promote myself. If Daddy doesn't do this, then you know you don't eat and he won't get sick again. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you got those type of parents. Uh, I, like, I like what Kwame is saying about all, the whole focus of just playing around, having a good time with it. Because I, I like right. to do that. I like to have at least one workout a week where it's not structured, where I just go in, right. I just go into my home gym and I go, huh? What am I going to do today? Pick up the club bells, do some stuff with the chains, exactly. do some body weight stuff. And, and and no real goal. Just mess around with stuff. Play around with some techniques. Do movements that I normally don't do, and, mm-hmm. and just have some fun with it. And then you know I like I like to be very structured too, where I where each workout has a purpose. But I think that can become another form of stress if you take it too far, where now you're you're so focused on what you're trying to achieve that it's not fun anymore. So I think it's exactly. you got to have that balance of both, where that one workout a week where you just you know what you don't go into it with any stress whatsoever because there's no real goal. That you're trying to achieve. It's not like when you're driving to the gym and you're like, "Shit, I've got to pull five plates for three reps today." That's on the, <laughs> yeah. that's on the journal, and then like the whole drive there, you know, you're amping yourself up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Too. So I like that, but I mean, you can't make every workout like that because otherwise it becomes drudgery. Yeah, you got to find that balance, man. That's one of the reasons why you know when you reached out to me when we did our first workshop together, I didn't want to just okay. I know you were going to be teaching kettlebells. I didn't want to just go into something else that was going to be just even more just structured, structured, structured. I'm like, you know what, man? I have you know my folks that I you know coach in my classes and myself. I've always been like this since I was young, man. I've always loved just doing bodyweight exercises where it's fun. Where I'm hopping around, I'm flipping, I'm jumping, I'm running, I'm crawling, doing all right. the things that actually make you an athlete that actually makes you a functional human being. And right. a lot of times I, th- I feel like people have lost that aspect where they feel like they need to just go in, pick up stuff, put it down, curl it, put it down, right. squat with it, put it down, put it on a rack, and then step away from it instead of actually right. being very right. into the moment and active with it. So even just taking, okay, yeah, you can sit there. One of the things we've done, yeah, you sit there and you'll take the kettlebell, you'll do goblet squats, you do goblet squats, you do a set of those, then, or you may actually do um, double rack squats, once you do those, you put them down, then you go into renegade rows. Once you do those renegade rows, and we're all doing this in a circle, once you do those renegade rows for a certain amount of reps, then it's like go. And from there, all those kettlebells, when they put them down, they're in a circle. And so everybody that was participating now kind of doing like a gorilla chase laterally around those kettlebells after each other until I say change. And then they change direction. They go back around the other way. To the, and then when I say stop, whatever pair of kettlebells you ended up in front of, those are the ones you got to work with now. So... Now you've, you've changed the, you've, you've buried what you're lifting 
And also, you've made this a lot more fun instead of just going through the drudgery of I got to just squat with this kettlebell and, you right. know, and I have to sit here and do a, you know, do a, a, a row with it while I'm sitting here in the plank position and just this whole working out aspect of it. We actually right. incorporated some more fun where you're doing more functional things and not just holding the weight the entire time. You're doing stuff with your body. And the thing about it, man, you're sitting there and you're chasing each other. There's that little bit of anxiety because you don't know exactly when I'm going to say, you know, when I'm going to say change directions. So you're right. kind of anticipating that. So that's also a buildup right there. But it's also very good for cognitive function. Because you have to be in the moment waiting for me to say that. Otherwise, if you're not paying attention, then when I say change and you're not paying attention, everybody runs over you. <laughs> you know, right. So nobody wants to do that. So you're really incorporating a lot more aspects other than just the physical aspect of that right. type of training. And it, it makes it fun because cool. no one's used to that. I mean, how many people do that at 24-hour fitness? You know, what, who, yeah, who right. just breaks down and drops down, you know, puts the dumbbells down. All of a sudden, he just starts doing lateral bear crawls around that dumbbell and goes in another direction. He'll <laughs> <laughs> probably end up getting kicked out of 24-hour fitness. But doing this, like, all right, man, that's it. <laughs> We're canceling your membership. You get, you're, you're you get kicked out for a lot less than that, so there's no doubt. Yeah, exactly. You, like you, you even think about deadlifting before you even get your first oh. rep. You know, you're going to be kicked out of there. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> you whip, like out the some chalk, whip out some chalk. Forget it, man. You're done. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that um, retweet I put up that um, T Nation had posted on Twitter. He's like, you know, if your gym has, you know, the, um, the hex plates, then your gym hates you, you know, so basically, <laughs> yeah. you know, I had to retweet that because basically they do that to keep you from wanting to do deadlifts, you know, right. but the thing is like, right. if you truly do deadlifts, you won't even care. You won't even care that they're hex plates, man. So what? You can't stop That's me. True. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll find yeah. a way. It's just, it's a jackass that doesn't know any better. So therefore it's just to prove their point. Like, see, this is why we don't do deadlifts here. You know, I said, no, this is why you should not let jackasses in your gym. Don't blame the, the hex, hex plates. The hex plates. I mean, if, if you have good technique on deadlifts where you reset each rep, then it's not going to really yeah. matter. That, that's only going to matter when you, when you have the technique that, like the banging technique where people are yeah. banging the ground and the bar is slamming the ground in each rep. And to me, those are just sloppy repetitions. Whenever I see that, it's like, oh, here's me doing 10 reps and the bar is just bouncing off the floor on each repetition. First of all, first of all that hurts eventually. Yeah. That hurts. Exactly. That hurts your That's hands. why people get hurts injured. Your spine, your head. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you're, you're banging, you're, pretty much you're banging your brain right there. Because trust me, when you bang that thing down, that's, that's a little bit of impact going on right there. Yeah, I think about all it's that like weight. That's just slamming into the ground in each repetition. It's just sloppy, man. I hate seeing that kind of technique. But, you know, they have to be seen and heard. <laughs> That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, look at me. Exactly. I'm doing deadlifts. It's just, no, just a way you. to be ostentatious. Yeah, it's just to be a way to be ostentatious. Yeah. My, my <laughs> is, no matter how heavy the weight is, you should be able to put it down gently. You know, I mean, at the end exactly. of a set, a lot of times I'll let it go because I want to get rid of it. But, I mean, when I'm doing a set <laughs> of five with heavy weights, I can I can touch the floor with the bar. I have full control. Reset each repetition. The last rep, yeah, I'll let it go because I'm done. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of fun. It's like a statement, exclamation point. Boom. It's kind of like just like the off. comedian that makes a point, and then it's just like he, when he's done, he just drops the mic. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I love that. Man. That's badass. That. All you can do is, and then there's no encore. He's done. Like yeah, you can share all you want. He's ass, out. But, but it's timed right. Like Mike Evans has done that before. That's awesome when they do that. They just kill it. They're like boom and drop that. Mike and walk off. Yeah, you, you timed that right. It's cool. <laughs> so that's what it is. It's a mic statement. Like, yeah, I'm done. But if you sit there, well, you're doing like, when, like uh, yeah, exactly. If you're it's doing like, 95 no, pounds, don't don't yeah. sit there and slam yours down like I'm done. Like, dude, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always funny to see that, or like the bench press where they're just they're just bouncing the bar off their chest and their butts coming off a foot off the bench. Their butt's coming so far off the bench like a dog could run up to her. You know what I mean? It's, it's like you have to – it's like, what are you, a contortionist, man? I mean, that is the worst <laughs> technique I've ever seen. 
Or like, what's funny is when someone is bouncing the bar off their chest, their butt's coming off, and then they still can't get the weight, and their spotter is basically a bent over row. And then, and then the spotter's like, oh, you, man, you got it. It's like, no, it wasn't, oh, you, if you touch the bar, then it's not, it doesn't count. Like, my attitude is if I, someone's spotting me, but they even touch the bar, my attitude is like, okay, I didn't get it. You know, right. because you don't know now. You don't know for sure how much they pulled on it or if they give it a little pull, a little, pull, right. a little bit of extra help, or they help stabilize the bar so you could press it out. It's like, no, you either do it on, like Franco Colombo said, you know, forced reps are better off done on your own. And that's kind of my attitude about force reps, man. It's like I never do force reps. I never have some spotter try to help me gut out more. It's like you, you can either do it or you can't, man. So don't kid yourself. Right. I mean, you, you got your back all arched up. It's like, dude, I thought we were here doing bench press. I didn't know we were doing yoga. I mean, that's in the other room. Dude. Yeah, the back bridge. Like okay, lower back exercise. There you go. Yeah, you're really, okay. you're really you're you, 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 you know there's a better, yeah, you know there's a better exercise for this, right? It's called a bent over row. <laughs> 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 oh man. Oh, All right, thumbs up, back. back guys. All right, man. Oh, cool. So yeah, we'll keep all of that. So all yeah, that we were talking about, Kwame. Yeah, we're gonna keep that in too. That's that's good for business. Kind of implant that you got recently. We won't we won't man, we won't go into specifics though. Yeah, we won't say where it's located. Yeah, exactly. Leave that up for interpretation. Not the calves or pecs, folks. Just the narrow down. Oh man! So honestly, I don't even remember what the hell my question was at this point. So, Kwame, do you remember? I think you were asking about trying to get kids involved in professional sports, or or involved in sports with the goal of having a professional career later. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, the parents are pretty much, you know, focusing on putting their kids in organized sports as opposed to focusing on just getting out and playing and, you know, the, the good and the bad side of that as far as trying to encourage your kids to be in organized sports. I think that'll right. come up. Yeah. Well, well, so here's a couple of things I'll say. Um, hold on one second. Uh, I just need to uh, give somebody a pacifier here. Um <laughs> She's like, I give uh, you a pacifier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, one one thing I'll say is, is what I'd like to be able to say to solve the problem is that um, just don't think about your kids or teens playing professional sports. Uh, for a lot of people, that doesn't seem realistic. Um, and there are, in fact, you know, once you get to the teen stage, kids that are very talented that, that might have a chance. I mean, that's that's a fact. I mean, when you looked at Kobe Bryant at 16, you could pretty much see that he had a chance to be an amazing athlete. So right. we don't want to deny that. I mean, we don't want to deny uh, that there are truly gifted kids out there. What I will say is that during the elementary years, you have no earthly idea. Uh, right. There are kids who are the fastest kids you've ever seen at eight, and by the time they get to 15 or 16, they're mediocre. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't be mediocre by my standards because as far as I'm concerned, if you're outside playing and loving it, you're spectacular to me. But in terms of the measurement standards and, and, and the standards we set for college or professional sports, they'd be considered below average. Um, and they were like the most amazing thing you've ever seen when they were eight or nine. So what I'll tell people to do is, is why don't you calm down a little bit and wait? And make sure your kid loves what they're doing. Uh, because if they don't, it's, it's not going to work anyway. And I say that even knowing that there are some professional athletes who made it to the professional ranks 
and made a lot of money. And it still didn't work as far as I'm concerned because they weren't happy people. Um, they ended up, some of them, being violent or with severe mental health issues or drug addicted. So I don't, to me, if you make a million dollars and you're addicted to, to illicit drugs and you have a violent life, I don't think it worked. Right. Right? So, so when we, yeah. when we look ahead. at money as the primary goal and as the only parameter we consider, uh, we, right. we think things work that don't really actually work. Right. I think what ends up happening, when you really start trying to force, like, this is what you need to do because it's going to get you here, especially at an early age, and you're telling it to a kid, you've already stripped them of even trying to develop any type of personality of their own. And it's funny because right now I'm currently um, listening to Undisputed Truth, Mike Tyson's autobiography on Audible now. And I'm just kind of listening. I'm probably, I'm like in chapter six, but just like right now, man, it's just like outside everybody looks like, yeah, Mike was, Mike was really screwed up. He just went downhill. But now when you really listen to his story, he never really made it uphill in the first place. So many people were just putting all this pressure on him. And from the time he was an overweight kid, you know, he was pretty much his mother didn't really want to have much to do with him. It's just like, oh, just, he's, so he's out in the streets trying to just find himself. There was no father around, anything like that. Then when Custom Motto took him in, just started putting these goals on him right off the bat. We're going to make you the first, we're going to make you the youngest heavyweight champion at 20. Mike is 14 at this time. He saw these things like, yeah, he's real talented. I know he can be the heavyweight champion of the world. But at the same time, here's a 14-year-old boy who did not even have a chance to be a boy in the previous 13, 13, 13 years and 364 days prior to that. You know, so he never really had a chance to even be a kid first before you start coming at him and talking about being a world champion. So what ends up happening is like, okay, once Custom Auto died and all the vultures came out, like Don King and all them, you know, they just saw Mike pretty much as a cash register. You know, again, now he doesn't even really have a chance to even develop as a man. And so what is he going to do? He's going to get, he's on drugs. He's sleeping with all these women. He's just lost, man, because he just never, ever, had a chance to find out who he really was. And I actually feel like now, after he's gone through all this stuff, I feel like now he's really hitting his stride. You know, he's, he's now really coming into his own. And you can see now, Mike is happy. You can see the happiness on his face. He does, he's not afraid to, you know, to joke and, and, and just not take life so serious. Where back in the day, come he, on, man, we watched He's become quite a philosopher now. He's a very exactly. philosophical guy. He's a very intelligent guy. I saw him speak in Las Vegas. He did one of those lectures. He's doing, yeah. he's doing like this kind of entertainment lecture tour. It's on, I think you can catch it on HBO as well, where yeah, it's basically yeah. him talking about his life, and then a lady comes on and, and sings in between during some of the breaks. It's pretty cool. Right. It's a really good show. If you get a chance to check it out. He's an incredible crazy. public speaker, and, and he's, he's been, yeah, very and he has he, a, very, he has a powerful he was like story. That before. You can tell from the book he was like that before, but any but again that environment it was never encouraging. You know, Mike, right. it's not like he just became a philosopher all of a sudden. It's like there were right. times he said some very profound. He had some very profound things that he said even as a child that he remembered, and you hear it in the book. And but anytime he would even just go there, man, people would just shoot him down because, you know, he's in Brownsville, Brooklyn. And during that time, during the 80s, it was very New Jack City back then. So, you know, mm-hmm. can you just imagine trying to be, you know, the nerdy kid growing up <laughs> in a, an environment like that? You're getting your ass kicked all day long, man, because no one's trying to hear that. Baby. 
Yeah. <laughs> what was that line in City? Rock a bye, yeah. baby. <laughs> like, okay, that was cool the first time you said that, lady. Like the eighth time in the movie, it's like, right, we got it now. It. That's, that's your line, okay? No, no, that's true. He talked about how, you know, he had a love of animals, but he was growing up in the hood where people would think you were soft if you talked about stuff like that. Like, he's he's a vegan now, and he's and, but even back then, he was, you know, he was really into, like, he had pigeons, his pets, pigeons, and yeah. other animals he was into. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but he was very a- interesting, very interesting guy, but I, I don't think you can become really philosophical without hardship in your life. You know, otherwise oh, yeah, you're yeah. just like an academic who's just reading books and so forth. But I think I think it's those experiences and all the things he's went through that have really tuned him in to who he is well, now. And, and that's why he has an interesting story. I think there are probably a bunch of different paths to becoming uh, really philosophical. I think right. I think you can have great pain in your life. I also think you can have great love in your life and become a mm-hmm. philosopher. So, so a lot of times we assume that the pain is necessary. And, and that's actually an assumption made in, in youth sports environments is that right. Right. I have to be tough on kids. I have to be, well, I, I dispute that actually. I, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, can we uh, focus on how cool it is to, to, to kick and juggle a soccer ball? I mean, wouldn't that also build skill? What if you just really, really love the ball? Does that not, you know, create the same level of desire and the same level of effort as if I really hate to lose. And in fact, if you listen right. to Roger Federer talk, um, he, you know, they asked him, you know, the secret to his success and longevity. So, well, he said, one thing he said was that I actually think I love to win more than a lot of other guys on the tour hate to lose. Uh, the other thing he said was, you know, retire. I love to play. Right. That's what you're missing. I love this game. I love to play tennis. I all this other stuff was stuff I'd never imagined happening. It's amazing, but it, you know, first and foremost, I love to hit the ball. Right. You know, and, and I had a very interesting. I don't know if you saw this yesterday. Since I had a very interesting conversation with some guys around tennis. You know, I, I mentioned that there was a shot that I've been trying to hit on the tennis court for a while, and I finally mastered it. And you know. Guys that I know that are really good tennis players who play in college, they're like, we should try this next time because it's an 80% success rate. And they could not wrap their heads around the fact that I did not care, that I just wanted to hit that shot because it was freaking cool. Right. Why would you do that, right? Because it won't help you win all the time. Well, I don't care. Right. Right. And they could not understand why I didn't care. No, that's a great point. I mean, I'm like that when I play blackjack. I mean, I'll, I'll make these big bets and I lose, and people at the table feel worse about it than I do. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of laughing, going, hey, man, I love that rush. I love that feeling of, I don't know, you know, that second where you don't know whether you won or not, and you've got all these chips on the table. And, yeah, when you win, I'm not going to lie, it's better. <laughs> but right. but when, you, when you lose, it's still fun. And, and especially when you look at other people's faces on the table, they're like, oh, oh, man. Like they 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 feel worse than you do. I'm like, hey man, I'm the one who lost the money, guys. Don't worry about it. But I'm like, you had I a different like, goal. I like to, yeah, I just <laughs> like to play, man. I come out here, and if I win, that's great. But it's we talked about this. The the Lenny from the band Motorhead. He goes, you win some, you lose some. It's all the same. And yep. I know what that means now. You know, when I was younger, I heard that line. Listening to it as a kid in high school, I'm like, that sounds stupid. <laughs> you know, but it's like the Bhagavad Gita in Hinduism where it says, focus on excellence in the action phase, and you have no rights to the results of your actions. So just focus on excellence in the action phase and be fully immersed. And that didn't make any sense to me either because I always felt that, you know, we have to attain goals as, a, as someone growing up in the Western culture. Like that's what everything is about is attainment. 
And I, I like everything you've said, Kwame, about really loving the moment. Have, have, go out there and, and work out, if we can even call it that, just because you enjoy doing it. Don't worry about achieving the goal or just go play and have a good time. And, and that's the goal, or rather that's the reward right there, not any attainment that may or may, may, or may not come from that. Yeah, every week, like, my father-in-law, we play dominoes. Like, this is like our Friday night or Saturday night ritual. And <laughs> slapping honestly, bones. slapping bones. But the thing is, there's n- nothing more fun than slapping bones with someone who is not of African-American descent, but actually he is af- of African-American descent because he's Egyptian. So he's an original right. African-American. He's a real right. deal. It's like, it's, like Char- it's like Charlize Theron. She's a real African-American. I think I can think of slapping bone situations that are more fun than that. <laughs> <laughs> Kwame, Kwame, this is where Mike and I have cultural differences right here. <laughs> Dominos. Remember I think of Dominos, I think of Ice Cube and Boys in the Hood. Domino. Oh, <laughs> oh man, uh, you know, I went to Hampton University uh, for undergrad, yeah. and, and, you know, dominoes and spades uh, yeah, was spades two big things long. there. Yeah, when, so, I transferred, yeah, when I was at U- University of Houston and Texas Southern University, I mean, that's, that's your ritual right there, man. So, <laughs> but, yeah, man, so I'm playing dominoes with my father-in-law. Like, look, I, I love beating him because <laughs> I know because it, it's funny when he loses man he's just like he can't figure it out he's like you need to drink more wine I'm like don't you understand the more intoxicated I get the better I get because I can really relax and he says well you need to stop drinking wine I said no now I'm very focused I said look it's, it's all about it's, it's, it's fun for me either way I've been like again I was raised playing this game with old men who have been playing this forever so I started at a very young age so anyway the, the point is, even when I lose, I actually love losing a little bit more because it makes me have to really think, like, okay, what did I do wrong? What am I not paying attention to? What, what's making this happen? You know, whereas when you're winning, man, it, okay, this thing, winning, when people say that, it's like, you know, winning isn't, isn't everything. I, I, can see the, I can see some truth in that because the thing is, if you're winning all the time, what the hell are you learning? Other than the fact that your ego is very happy right now. Right. You know, and, but the thing is, once you're winning all the time, a lot of times you're by yourself. Because right. not everybody wins all the time, so usually you end up being alone. That's usually what happens with people who are very successful monetarily. You know, not these so rich, rich billionaires, you know, the reason why they are so apt to help other people out and mentor for folks is because they get sick of being the only millionaires out there and only billionaires out there. They want to see other people succeed because, hell, after a while, it gets lonely at the top. It's, that's <laughs> true. It, it's true. That's why they want to have more people like them, but they want to make sure that that person is, has the willingness to be there and not just leech off of them or anything well, like that. Well, that's where it's so, hard to mentor people for that reason is that yeah. you know, I, I'm happy to mentor people, but I don't want to waste my time either. So I'm not going to give people advice and then they, they, they don't use it and then they come back for more advice. It's like, no, go use the <laughs> advice I already told you. That was good stuff. And, you know, what you said, Sincere, reminds me a lot of Vince Lombardi, famous football coach, where he had, he had a saying – Winning is not the only – it's like winning is not – where was it? Winning is, is not the only thing that matters. No, he said something like uh, winning matters is, is the only thing that matters, something along those lines. But he actually later regretted saying that in his career. He's yep. like, you know what? He's like, I was way too focused on winning is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that's important. And he actually had a turnaround on that because he realized the limitations of it, just like what so you I said. I think the quote was uh, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's uh, the quote. Yeah, that's yeah. quote. And that's the quote that he regretted years later. Yeah. He said, I was And that's also quote. why I hate quotes. 
I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, most of the time they're not. Most of the time they're, the, they're they're attributed to the wrong person. I mean, there's so many Buddha <laughs> sites. I'm like, yeah. and there's there's a website called Buddha didn't say that. You know, I love I, that's my favorite yeah. blog, man. It's like Buddha didn't say that. A lot of times, no one really knows what the Buddha said or didn't say because who's following like, him around writing notes like the Prophet Muhammad in Islam? <laughs> you know that the whole Quran and and the Hadiths were written down by people that allegedly were his followers, his flock. Right. And, we all know what happens there, man. There's, there's going to be yeah. a lot of stuff that's not interpreted properly or a lot of stuff that's just made up. You know, we don't know for sure. So, I mean, or, yeah, they're like, like, yeah, you know, Muhammad, I don't, that sounded silly. I'm not writing that down. Let me, let me just <laughs> rephrase it. But, yeah, let me rephrase you, you had a lot of PR people back then. You know, like, no, nah, that's not good for business, man. If you say that, people are not going to follow if you say that stupid thing. Let me put this I down. Remember, like I, that. I read a story about the Buddha saying that, you know, he, this is a funny one. This is like the funniest one I read about the Buddha when I was working on my degree in religious studies is that he, he grew up in the castle, of course, right? where he was a prince and he had privilege he'd never seen suffering and one of the things that broke him out of his pattern is when he was with his harem and in the middle of the night he had nine or ten women in his harem and he and he heard them all snoring and farting and burping and so forth that he he realized that hey this is an illusion too and i was like come on dude. <laughs> that's a real stretch man okay who was in the room documenting that one <laughs>
about that intersection a, a couple of weeks ago too in that same discussion. I said, you know, do you cooperate with your opponents? And they looked at me strange when I said that. And, and mm-hmm. when you really think about it, you have to. You yes, can't it's an agreement. Go, it's an agreement. Right. It, it's a play agreement. You can't go right. on a basketball court and just start tackling people. <laughs> right? That would be funny if you could. <laughs> they only, right. They only play tackle hoops on the Cosby Show. So, you know, you have to make a play agreement at some point. I, I think that's part of the problem is that our play agreements have gotten so skewed. Um, we're not agreeing to play anymore. Kids don't play sports. They're rolling in sports. And furthermore, too, you know, we, we look at, okay, so I think about uh, just under 50% of kids are playing sports in high school now, but they're not all playing. In fact, most of them don't play. Uh, most of them ride the bench. Um, so uh, what are they really doing? Uh, whereas we could create games and experiences where everyone gets to play. And, yes, even in that, you're still going to have some people that are better than others. Yeah, I think what's happening now, you see in most of these organized sports, it is a reflection of pretty much the sport of business that's going on in the Western world. So, it's, 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 like you said, you can't just go out on a basketball court and start tackling people, man. And what you're seeing is this, this, dom- this need for dominance. And that now transfers from, let's just say, from organized sports to when they grow up then they go into the business world. It's that same game. It's the same game being played. You know, you right. got some people sitting on the sidelines, maybe the mail room, and they're not playing at all. It's like, so no matter how many degrees they get, it's just never going to matter. They're never going to climb up that corporate ladder. So they're going to be sitting there playing on the B and C team and pretty much the practice squad. So basically what that is, pretty much the team that they come out, so the guys who are like starting, the guys who are at top, got the, the, the big management positions and things like that, and the CEOs, for them to sit there and just use all their skills to see who they can beat up with those skills. You know, so look, I'm better than you because I'm here. And this is the reason why you're down there and you're never going to be up here where I am. And it's just that same thing all over again. You still have that kid who's just sitting there in the stands, in the bleachers, just like they were in PE or in organized sports. And now they're feeling that way in the business world. So it just never ends, man. Just transfers from one part of life to another here, especially here in the Western world. Can't speak for other parts of the world, but from what I gather, a lot of this is so much of our own BS that's going on. And the rest of the world is the like, whole, they don't, they don't yeah, get it. The whole it. world is fairly, it's not too much different, unfortunately, because this, this philosophy is kind of pervaded to most places. Mm-hmm. But, it's, it's, but uh, one thing that I, that, I made, that I thought of as you were talking sincere is that you ever notice that when guys get together, in, in, what, what they make always comes up in a purposeful manner? And because people always <laughs> want to assert themselves, especially it happens to me all the time where people, especially if someone knows me, they'll be like, yeah, you know, I used to make 70000 a month doing this and that. It's like no one asked you, dude, how much you make, and who cares? You won't hear me say that, Mike. I'm a teacher, so you won't hear me ever have that conversation <laughs> with you. <laughs> no, but it's it seems like guys always feel like they have to assert themselves, especially with other guys if they don't know them. They have to bring up some meaningful accomplishment to them, at least you in know their mind, is, whatever their money is or how much they can lift or, you know, what, like, oh, I just did this recently. It's like, all right, that's great, buddy. You, you know what that right. is? That is what, that is what I call phallic mathematics. Okay, that is, <laughs> it's much, that is phallic mathematics because we're always trying to measure things. We're always living by the numbers, man. Everything's right. always down to a number. You know, so it's basically like, yeah, I've got this many girls. I've got this much money in the bank. I've had this many, you know, I've been on the job for this long and I'm already in this position. It's always this, this. It's all about these numbers. And, but it's not just men. It's like society, period. It's like 
we even women. treat it as numbers like okay people, you know yeah. you know what's your what's your monthly income and you know pretty much you know what's your age group and all these different things like Kwame and myself we used to hear a lot of I, I'm sure you've heard of Kwame but coming up it's like hey you know you know young black men you're not gonna make it to be 21 it was always these yep. numbers so we always lived and died by numbers so we got 21 you know we were sitting there like Trey on Boys in the Hood like shh, looked around hey I made it. Uh, screw yeah, you. When I, when I turned 21, I was uh, still living on campus then, and, and one of my boys came by and said, congratulations. <laughs> I know. That's so crazy. I know. It's like, really? It, it was crazy. so funny. It was like, what so is funny this, you like, said Logan, we're in the movie set of Logan's Run. Everyone is put down. At, remember that movie? Everyone is like, killed yeah. at 30. Like, there's no old people at all that exist. Like, if you're 30, you're put down, and like, if you if you try to run, man, these people that like, come after you, hence the name, Logan's Run. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's a, exactly. Yeah, I, can, I can imagine. That's just ridiculous. And I, I think, you know, without getting, because uh, we could go so deep on this, but I, I think a lot <laughs> of this stuff comes from this uh, this uh, perception of scarcity in general. And, right. And right. a lot of what people put on their really. kids comes from that. You've got to get a college right. scholarship because it's really hard to go to college, right? So, I mean, that's a reality that we deal with. So, man, if my kid does well on standardized tests or if, if they run fast, well, then I've got to start capitalizing on that now. I have parents come to me all the time. Well, I know, you know, play is important, uh, but, you know, Dr. Brown, we, we don't have much money for college, so we've got to find a way, and that's a reality. Right. And my my right. father right. told me, uh, both my parents are educators, uh, so we didn't have much uh, <laughs> growing up, but we had enough. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, my father told me in seventh grade, he said, son, you can pick one of three S's. I wasn't doing well in school at the time. He knew I could do better. So he said, you can pick scholarship, service, or shipyard. Hmm. Uh, so I picked scholarships. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, hold on. At least, at least your dad packaged it up nice and smooth for you, man. It's like, you know, mine's something like, look, look around. Because I was raised in a small town, man, in East Texas. And it's like, look around. You've got some choices. You can actually take your butt to school, you know, or you can go join the army. I'm like, it's always the army. Like, what about the Marines? I like the Marines, <laughs> you know, but it's like, you can go join the army or you can end up on the corner selling drugs or you're going to end up dead, which that last one I mentioned right before that is going to lead to the last one I just mentioned. So it's, it was always those choices right there. But what's crazy is like, okay, I went to college and I actually got a lot more out of dropping out of college. And the thing is, because the, the career I chose, it just I was already getting paid the money I would have been going to college for anyway to graduate and do all this. It got to the point where I had my friends who were graduating class who took classes with me and they graduated. They were coming back to me for internships, unpaid internships after they graduated. You know, because I was like, that's just bizarre to me. But like, well, you're already doing what you, you know, my buddy and I were already doing it. We were already working for labels. We were already, you know, DJing, doing gigs here and there and, 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 and traveling all the time. That's the reason why I had to end up dropping out of school. It wasn't like I... He's just like, oh, I'm screwed college. I'm done with this. It was to the point where, okay, I'm always traveling and working and already doing what I want to do, and I'm missing a lot of class, and I'm sorry. It's like you get a choice. You get an incomplete or you get an F, and both of those suck because incomplete means I got to sit there and work triple time and try to make sure I don't get an F in the class. I was like, you know what? Let me just get into the – stay in the field that I'm already in. And I tell people that. I said, look, college is it's one of those situations where it's there for everyone but not anyone. Okay, so you got to make a decision. What, what, it is, what is it that you really, really want from life? You have options. It's one of those things like parenting. 
Everyone shouldn't be a parent. I think, like, not everyone should go to college right out of high school. I think you should take a break in between and really decide, like, okay, what is it that you want? Sometimes folks shouldn't just rush right into it, especially after spending 12 years of, or 13 or 14 for some people of nonstop schooling. Take a time out and actually figure out, like, who are you? Because you've spent, like, the last 12, 13 years, and Kwame, you may disagree with me, you spent the last 12, 13 years actually being molded into someone else and not really given a chance for most kids to find out who you are, like we were talking about like with Mike. Tyson, oh, I, I actually, uh, you'd be surprised, I agree with you. Uh, yeah. I, in fact, you know, I, I, I have a range of students. Um, you know, I have some adult students. I have students in my classes that have children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I also teach an on, online class at our Virginia Beach campus, and most of my students there are adults, you know. And it's funny, my undergrads, uh, pure undergrads, I just went straight out of high school. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Brown, I didn't do that assignment. I just forgot. I got two messages this week from my um, uh, online students. One was, I'm really trying to finish this assignment. I'm halfway done, but I'm sick. I've got my three kids. My husband is deployed. And the other one was, um, Dr. Brown, I'm really sorry to get my midterm in on time, but I had some complications after delivering my child. <laughs> so I see a stark difference in the way in which life is looked at. I mean, some people are living and some people are in stasis. Uh, and so I, I actually am a fan of, working for a while. The problem is that as you get older and start your life and you have children, it becomes incredibly prohibitive financially and logistically to to go to college. So we've got to find some mechanisms for that. And I mean, you know, same thing with, you know, all this stuff is wrapped around resources. And I I hate to break it down that way because it it makes me sound like a uh, you know, people think I'm a communist or something, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I don't. It's just I don't, a fact, man. It's resources. Yeah, yeah I, I actually mean, don't think any system in which people are looking to dominate others ever works. I don't care if it's communism, socialism, capitalism. None of it works if we're looking to, to if we're looking at life as a zero-sum game. That's the other reason that I gravitate towards play. It's because instead of looking at life as a zero-sum game, instead of looking at things as zero-sum, like there's a winner and a loser, we find out how to build things together. Uh, you know, for example, right now, our economy could still be growing leaps and bounds if we were to look at it from the perspective of living in harmony with nature, because there are a lot of ways we could be using and developing technology to do that. But instead, right. we develop our technology to gain dominance and complete dominance over others. Or you know, and, and when I say that, a lot of folks will say, well, there's some people who are going to be yeah. better than others. Yeah. Yes, that's going to happen naturally. But we're that's trying to yeah, not... Exactly. That's, yeah, that's not what we're doing. We're not competing. We're trying to take the other teams out of the game. Right. Exactly, uh, that's a problem. Right. That's not competition. That's no, ensuring right. like, that. You don't want to win unless you destroy someone else. Like, I don't want to be successful here unless I'm crushing someone else. And that's the terminology we often hear. Right. And, well, and, yeah. and when I see that behavior, and, 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 and I see that in youth sports, too, as a microcosm, when I see that behavior, I don't see someone who's competitive. I actually right. see someone who's insecure and weak. Yeah, right. there you go. Because if you were yeah. competitive, you're, you, you want a chance to compete. You want a chance. You want your opponent to be at their best. You want someone else uh, to be healthy, uh, to right. be happy, right? Right. Yeah. It's like one of the things we always hear from a lot of um, MMA fighters when they have these big fights. They're like, look, let's just take, for example, let's take a, let's just say a Carlos Condit and George St. Pierre for those who are UFC fans. I'm just right. using these names as examples. You're going to always have, even though, like, at that time, let's say George was a champion, 
Carlos Condor would say something like, look, I want to make sure that the best George St. Pierre shows up to that fight. Right. Why? Exactly. Because Carlos has something invested in that as well. He doesn't want to go in there and just kick this dude's behind and, make, and just roll over him. He wants to be challenged. He wants to make sure right. that after all those weeks of training, it was worth it. And that's the thing about it. You want to have a worthy adversary, which I even use that word loosely because it's taken in the wrong way. It's like people hear adversary, they think enemy. But come on, man. Let's just be honest. If it wasn't for Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker would not have been a great Jedi. Okay, he needed, he needed, he needed Darth Vader in his life. And guess what? At the end of the day, Darth Vader needed Luke in his life because Darth Vader realized, like, you know what? I'm not this evil dick that I'm acting like all the time. He's like, you know what? There is, there is some love inside of me somewhere. And he had so to go back father, My, my, my father also, really, instead, instead of saying, uh, I brought you in this world, I'll take you out, my father should have said, I brought you in this world, and I'll turn you to the dark side. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Luke also needed like, Leia in his life, sincere, but that, she, then she turned out to be his sister, so that didn't work yeah, out too and, well. And, and that's when, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's when he thought about going to the dark side. He's like, man, I just have special feelings <laughs> for my sister. What does that say about me? That was the big step to hey, the dark man. side, dude, is that you would lust it after your sister all these years. Look, dude, you want to talk about some kids with some serious daddy issues? Look at Luke and Leia. Okay, they have some daddy issues, <laughs> Somebody, so this goes beyond the hood. This went to a whole new galaxy, okay, man? But, yes, Kwame, I think it comes down to, you know, also that, that scandal way of looking at things, like the TV show Scandal. It's all about the gladiators. It's all about being a gladiator. It's all about trying to just dominate anyone by any means possible and make sure you're the last one standing in the arena type situation. So, but we take all these examples, like just from our language to our politics and all these things that we based off ancient Rome, but – People always don't do the history. Can we just look at how ancient Rome ended up? Can we see how well that worked out for them, this, this attitude of dominance and just take over and destroy everything that you get your eyes upon or whatever and, and make everybody go the way that you're going by any yeah, means I mean, necessary? If, if people that didn't work out for them. Exactly. If people are marginalized to a point for too long, then it, it, you're only going to take that for so much. So it's kind of like you, right. want, you want other people to be successful so that you can stay successful. You know, you don't want to be the one guy who's successful and no one else is because they're all going to be looking at you going, huh, how come you're <laughs> successful and the rest of us aren't? Let's take this guy. You're the source of all of our problems. So and you need to be taken down. So, I mean, and the, that's the more, Yeah, the more successful other people are, the better it is for you because it's going to be a much safer society. But, yeah. but, but you know, one of, the, one of the things about why we're in this recession is the fact that we have these huge companies like Google and other companies that don't pay any taxes at all. They follow every loophole you can imagine. We, we, would, exactly. we wouldn't be in this recession if all the big companies in this country paid their fair share of taxes. But it all goes back to we're going to look for – I mean, can these guys really not afford to pay their fair share of taxes? Of course they can. They could pay way more, and they would just be just fine. But it's that kind of competitive environment of let's find all these loopholes so we don't have to pay anything, and then we can just hoard all this money – that should be going out. Like, I have to pay taxes. You have to pay taxes. Everyone else has. So why should people that are – why should companies that are hundreds of times, thousands of times have more wealth than we have not paid their yeah. fair share? You know what I mean? So that's exactly. a big problem as well is that it's this, this com accelerated competitive environment where nothing is never – nothing is ever enough. Yeah, you, you guys are starting to hit on why I actually chose this. And, you know, a lot of people, you know – interpreted me as a, uh, a fitness guy, right? And I don't, I'm very concerned with people getting a chance to move, but I'm also much more concerned with uh, people getting a chance to, to live and love life. Um, and to me, this is 
you know, there's something that happens to people, you know, and I've seen people do all kinds of play stuff, uh, you know, I've seen theater play and, you know, and I've seen people use uh, cognitive play and do stuff with blocks. I've been at conferences where people do this. There's something that happens to people when they move. There's something that happens to people when they get physical together in the spirit of play uh, that is transformative. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not speaking like a scientist right now because I haven't quite figured out what that thing is. I mean, obviously we got touch, so maybe there's oxytocin, yeah, you know, oxytocin, but I don't really know what's going on. Um, <laughs> I just know what I see, right? Uh, and, and sure, I'd maybe it, there would be some usefulness in, in knowing what's, what's happening chemically. Maybe then we don't have to play at all. We can just give kids bottles of oxytocin. They'll be instant friends. Uh, but I mean, you just, look at, you just look at what makes dogs happy, right? They, they, they want to be yeah. around you. They like being petted by you. Like I have a 14-year-old lab, and whenever she wants petting, she just kind of bum rushes her way over. I'm on the computer. She just pushes my hand out of the way. Yeah. You know, I pet her for a while, and then she goes back and relaxes. They, yeah. they look forward to their walks. They want to go sniff, play around, run around. You know, my dog Grover doesn't go running to see if he's faster than the other dogs out there. He just wants right. to go do it for fun. And see, that's where it comes down to right there. If we could just separate ourselves from being humans for a second and just really, and I always say this, I've said it in the workshops that I've taught, especially with the movements that we use in my workshops. If we just look at animals, we'll learn so much more. It's funny, the, the, the one set of beings out there that talk the less say so much. Just sit there and just check out your dog. Like today, you know, almost, I felt a little bad that when I was starting the podcast, you know, I had to bring my dog back in because I didn't know him. Once he's outside and I start the podcast, he's going to start tapping on the door and want to come back in. So I waited until about a couple of minutes before we started this. But when I looked outside, he was sitting on the patio. He, and there's like right now the sun is kind of like a little bit over our house. So it's just a little bit of sunlight on the patio. He's just sitting there, sitting in the sun, chilling. And enjoying the sun, soaking it up, sniffing the air, relaxing, taking it. And there's all the shade on the porch. He didn't want that. He wanted to be in that one little corner where there was sun, getting in his vitamin D while I'm sitting in here setting up for the podcast. <laughs> you know, and, he, and he's just sitting there enjoying it. And he does this on a daily basis. And he'll just lie out and chill out right there until it's time to come back in. He'll come back in. And just like, you know, what Mike was saying, if I'm sitting here working on the computer or whatever, every now and then he'll just come over to me and he'll just look at me. And he was like, mm-hmm. like, hey, dude, I can't talk, but I'm going to whine a little bit. Maybe that'll get your attention. And he'll just get, you know, pretty much just give me five. I was like, hey, give me a high five. He gives me a high five. And then I rub him. I pet him. He's happy with that. He goes back. He's playing with his bone again. He's like, all right, I just want to make sure that you know that I'm here. All right, acknowledge me, and I'm going to go back into my own little world. Little things like that, man. So just a little touch, a little affection, man. Just showing like, hey, I do care about you, dude. Yeah, you are important to me. Even animals want that and understand that, but humans have forgotten that, man. It's like, you know, don't touch me. Stay away from me. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. If you want to talk to me, hey, uh, yeah, well, just just send me a message on Facebook. No, don't call me. uh, I think humans actually (laughs) crave that, but they don't know how to express that because they've forgotten how to express. It's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of something where it's, it's there's there's an insecurity with to to saying you need any of those things, right? It's like, well, if I say I need that, then I come off weak and vulnerable, etc. Yeah, as I say, it's it's Fear of being vulnerable and, and not being taken seriously, or they've they've had an experience where they've you know they've offered their vulnerability to someone and somebody abused it, and so right, now right. in their mind they're thinking everyone's going to be like that that one asshole from the past, you know, right. and that's the thing. So now they're afraid to be vulnerable again. So like they put up this front, like I'm hard, I don't need you, I don't need to talk to anybody, I don't need any friends, <laughs> I don't trust anybody. And the thing is, the more and more you say those things that you don't need and don't want, 
the more we well, know that you fact, need them and you want phrase, them. Right? Like, some people have watched that episode of the X-Files one too many times. Trust yeah. no one. It's like, well, you're I not going to get uh, too far in life. I, I did Trust an exercise no uh, with, my, with my intro to psych students last year, and, um, and I did this with the males. I said, let me tell you something. You know, anger comes from fear. And I said, no, I'm, you know, when I'm fighting, I'm not afraid. I said, really? I said, now, what would, why did you fight? You know, I said, who's been in a fight? I said, why'd you fight? I said, well, God was disrespecting me. I said, oh, so you were afraid that people would think you were weak? Right, there you, you know, go. We kept, every time they said what they were mad about, I would trace it back to fear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you only have two choices in life, man. You either, you either live in fear or you live in love. And, you know, there would be some people that are like, oh, that sounds hokey. Love, oh, that's soft stuff. <laughs> that right there shows that you have a fear of actually feeling love and feeling that you're weak if you say that you love someone. I am not right. afraid to say that I love my friends, whether it's Mike, whether it's Kwame. Hey, I'm secure enough to say that, hey, here are two dudes that I love. You know why? Because, A, I'm sitting here and I, I'm giving them, I'm sharing my time with them. That's a form of love right there because my time is precious. Because right. guess what? That second I just, that just went by, I'm not getting it back. So I want to make sure I'm investing that second with people who truly appreciate that second that I just gave, that I just shared with them. And that right there, sharing something like that, that's love right there. And it's, love does not make you weak. So that right there is always like, oh, man, that's soft stuff. Oh, well, dude, you, you're, you're the one dude that needs the hug the most when you say stuff like that, man. That, like, that's the, that's the guy who's got, like, a video collection of movies like Love Actuality uh, actually at home. <laughs> he's, 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 he's watching a notebook every other week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come, on, come on, girl, just tell me, what do you want? What do you the guy want? with the hood on at the Titanic, when the Titanic was brought back to the theaters, <laughs> in 3D, <laughs> he's like, oh, like, I would never see that. That movie's gay as shit. And then he's in the back with the hood on. <laughs> you know? and, and even when he just says that, like, it's gay, like, like, oh, dude, you need some serious love. Like, why is it, well, are we trying to say gay is wrong? Is that why you say that's gay? <laughs> you know, that's always funny to me when somebody says, oh, that's gay. Like, well, that's just like saying, is that black? <laughs> oh, man, of that's black. <laughs> of course that's why they say that. Of course that <laughs> like, is. That's, that's, uh, you fear. Know? that's that fear again, you know? You know, or <laughs> it's just repeating things without thinking. It's a crappy movie, but yeah, you have to use, <laughs> you use terminology like that exactly. Yeah. yeah, or there may be some gay people like, I don't even like the damn notebook. Don't sit there and say, hey, I can't stand it. I like Gladiator, and not for the reasons you think. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, those are the kinds of things that happen when we don't know each other, when we don't play with each other, we don't know each other, and we make judgments about one another. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I was able to uh, be less judgmental about, you know, homosexuality because my parents had gay friends. And I knew them growing up, and I knew them... I didn't even know they were gay when I was a little kid. I just knew them as them, you yeah, know. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I'm grateful for that, and 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 grateful that my parents were, you know, sort of inclusive people, um, instead of being closed off uh, and insecure. And you know, I have always said, uh, not to get too off the subject, but people that are intensely homophobic are homosexual. Oh, I, damn it, you, beat me to, you just beat me to the point. I was waiting for you to finish. I was waiting for you to finish. So I can say that. I'm like, yeah, you've got tendencies, brother. It's okay. But, but yeah, it's like you have some real fear in your mind of what you may be or, or, what, you're, or what you want to try out or whatever it is. That's 100% of the time that's the case. And then and that's what, it's, it's kind of funny also. As, well, it's not really funny. As the, that's the wrong word to use. But it's, it's, it's disappointing when people say, well, you know, I'm for gay rights, but I don't think gay people should have kids. And I was like, well, why? Because you think that you think you're pedophiles American or something like that. If they're good people, I'd rather have 
two parents, you know, two male or two female that are good people than a They're traditional parent that are both jerk offs. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's, yeah. it's like, why does it have to stop there? I, I think all the, all the arguments people have against gay rights are ridiculous. Like, oh, they shouldn't be able to get yeah, they shouldn't get married, you know, or they shouldn't have kids because they're going to confuse the kids. I'm like, no, you're confusing the kids by saying this because you don't even know what you're saying. So if you don't know what you're right. saying, how confused do you think the people who hear what you're saying is going to be? So that right there just drives me crazy. And again, it also comes down to like, okay, what problems are you having? A lot of times either, like you said, Kwame, they have those issues deep down inside that they're not quite ready to like face head on or They've been raised that way, and they refuse to question, you know, where, where this is coming from and realize that this is not exactly what you think. This is what someone molded you to think with their own way of thinking, and you have not right. been – you haven't you have had the opportunity to grow into your own. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about, like, with Mike Tyson again. It's like you never had a chance to get – or also by kids who need to take a break before going to college. You haven't discovered who you really are because you've been molded and, and programmed for so long. And sometimes right. that programming can be good, but, again, you still need to find out who you are. And it kind of goes back to um, something I just posted on my page today. I don't know if you saw it, uh, Kwame. It was the whole thing about cognitive dissonance. You know, yeah, and, you know people, yep. yeah, and people holding that core belief, man, and and even when you question it and show with evidence, you know, irrefutable evidence, like okay, that's BS, man, and they still like, yeah, but you know what? That's just what I believe. <laughs> you know, I'm like, dude, are you serious <laughs> right now? <laughs> How stupid are you? You know, well, if you don't believe in something, then you you'll, you'll just you'll fall for anything. I'm like, hey, don't go misquoting Frederick Douglass, dude. Get get it right. <laughs> I'm like, get it right, man. It's like if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything. Come on, man. Get it right. So yeah, now I can tell you that uh, you got at least uh, one person agrees with you because as you guys have been talking, my daughter's been sitting here nodding and saying yes. <laughs> yes. So, so the whole, the whole thing about finding finish. yourself is, is kind of amusing because in this, I don't think anyone – is trying to find themselves, you have to decide who you want to be, right? You make a decision because when I went, when I, when I was in my twenties and, you know, I went through different issues and so forth and there wasn't any, it wasn't, there wasn't anyone to find. It was like who you had to make a decision who, what kind of person do you want to be? And then you start molding yourself into that. And I think that's what everyone needs to do at some point in your life is you have to decide what kind of person do I want to be and what right. can I so do to further that end? I think your general theme too, Mike, uh, which is you know living life aggressively, is 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 something to look at too. You know, and and a lot of people will see that. I, I can tell you that because you know uh, people talk, right? A lot of people will see that and they say, oh, sure. oh, this guy. They'll have this image of you as you know some guy that's just trying to kick the crap out of everybody. Um, but that's <laughs> not what that means. You know, that no, means living really. life with yeah. vigor. And you, you, John F. Kennedy talked about right. vigor a lot. And and that's one right, of the things right. that. People uh, have a misconception and, and about play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, it's actually a reason I changed. Uh, I changed all our name, uh, the names of our competitive games on uh, our function community to Intenspiration, um, mm. because mm, nice. people started to have that look at this word competition as zero sum. It never was, but I, I figured we needed a word that looked at it from a different angle, that, that we're trying to inspire each other to vigor. We're right. trying to inspire each other to, to reach new heights. Okay, I did this. It's, it's like that circle you get in. You know, I remember, you know, b-boying a bit when I was a kid, and, you know, you get in that circle, and somebody does something with a windmill, right? And somebody, mm-hmm. you know, you try to one-up that with a windmill and a freeze, and it, and it was about love. You know, it wasn't about 
oh, um, I'm going to make this person slink away and never come here and dance again. Even the battles were about the love for the dance, you know. And so, you know, I, I, everything that I've experienced in my life has been incorporated into, you know, our function community and what we do. Uh, and that's one of the things. That's why we do the circle. That's why we – because it's all about the dance to me. Let's get aggressive with it, not with each other. Exactly. Right. Like, take it back. I believe it was um, we were in Kentucky. You and I were just we were the last two in the room. Everybody's all running up to the speaker of the moment during that one little <laughs> the break that we had. And everybody's just standing in line waiting to talk to the, the, the fitness guru. And Kwame and I are sitting over side. We, we have a makeshift rota. You know, we go and start just playing in Capoeira. You know, we're just having yep. fun. And then all of a sudden, everybody's leaving the guru and they're looking at Kwame and myself over here playing. And they don't understand what they're doing. It's like, oh, it looks like they're going to kick each other. And, you know, we're just laughing and having fun. You know, we're laughing and having fun. And I remember Steve Cotter and I did this once at, um, at a certification, at an IKFF certification. Had nothing to do with kettlebells. Just all of a sudden, it's just like I'm sitting there and, um, you know, I'm sitting there going and just spinning around. And then Steve's like, ah, Capoeira. He's like, all right, brother, let's, let's, let's go into the rota. You know, you know how Steve is. So it's like, it seemed like I was, all of a sudden I'm in a rota with Bruce Lee. He's like, ah, you, you do Capoeira. Let us get into the, the rota. Like, mm. are, are you ready for the Capoeira move? I remember a group I used to spar with in college. You know, we were, we would, man, we did full contact, which was really stupid. If you think about it, you know, we're 1920. We had no pads, uh, nothing. And, 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 and but we would kick each other in the throat sometimes, in the face, and hey man, you know. Locker, okay? um, but we 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 would go out and we would finish and we would hug and we would go get lunch. Um, and you know, people thought we were crazy, but we were giving each other permission to be that aggressive. Right now, right. if you're a person that does not want to give someone permission to make you that vulnerable or be that vulnerable with someone else, then you shouldn't do it. Right. But for some people, right. that is the level of play they want to engage in. And that's, that's the other point I try to make. It seems to be this sort of uh, um, this opposition between two sides. One side says, well, play has to be completely calm and peaceful, and no one touches <laughs> anyone. And then the other side is like, sure, we've got to get it, and kick his ass. And, you know, and we've got to realize that there's a whole lot of gray in between those two Polar, polar opposites. I think when it comes down to it, no matter what we do in life, man, it's going to always come down to some type of balance. There's no either or. The only either or is, hey, you're born or you die. Okay, and everything else in between is gray. You know, everything else is left up to your interpretation from there. And the sad thing is there are people dying every day, but they think they're living. <laughs> so they're right. still bringing the two things right there, either or. It's like they're living this, this miserable existence, man. There's a lot of people that fall into the pattern of what we're talking about throughout this entire conversation, you know, where it has to be this way or the other. So they have to dominate. But these people are dying inside because there's this insecurity that's killing them inside. It's like if they don't, if they're not the one on top, then they won't be anything. They're a loser. And then they're the right. ones who are always constantly getting beat up and they're already feeling like a loser and they feel like they'll never win. So they're dying inside as well. So even though these two people think that they're so different, they are so much the same. the same. So what's They're the point? The same battle. Yep. <laughs> what's the point? You know, yeah, you're both dying it, exactly. And 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 here's what I used. To, I used to, you know, I've, I've always worked with actually mixed ages, and you know, I've always had mixed skill levels. And so I remember once in Miami, I had a kid that was sort of ridiculing another kid. I said, "Let me tell you something. Come here." I said, "Your job over the next two weeks is to make him good at this." Hmm, there you go. So so now instead of you crowing. 
<laughs> why, why don't you play with him? Why don't you get, help him learn this skill? Um, and then maybe both of you will learn something. And they did. You know, we ended up having better games because of it. Right. You know, and, and that, again, that's where we live in that play thing, that, that, that play mood is that we want the game to get better. We don't necessarily care so much about ourselves as individuals as much as we care about the game. Yeah, and that goes back to what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks about people ridiculing one set of, I don't know, fitness philosophies. You know, all these fitness pros like, you know, screw CrossFit, that, that stuff sucks, or forget powerlifting, they're a bunch of fat, this, that, and the other. Or, you know, their technique sucks with this, that, and the other. Okay, instead of you being the one that's bitching about it, help them. Make it better. Can, do you have anything to bring to the table that will make this be a lot better? Can you help them improve the situation? And the thing is, now here's a quote for you. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. The Take problem. that quote. And guess yep. what? You don't have to attribute that to anyone. You can put that as unknown and put your own name in that. And if, you're <laughs> exactly. the one, if, uh, if, if you don't, you know, if you don't want the solution, you want the problem. Is my exactly. yep. <laughs> because that's how a lot of people are. Is that yeah. They don't want the solution. They, they, they get pleasure out of having the problem yeah. because it makes them feel meaningful and they get attention from exactly. other people. And it gets <laughs> it's hard to bitch purpose. about a solution. It's hard bitching yeah. about a solution. Like, damn it, the what are they do once they get Damn, the, the air's clean. You know, why yeah. the hell is this water so good and clean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, damn oh, my yeah. food. I, it, like food. And, and I, I see that psychology in what, I'm, in what I'm trying to do right now. So people come to me all the time and say, you know, call me. We've got to find some way to get these kids outside. I'm like, it's funny you should mention that Open because I have a website that you can join that has games you can play. And they're like, oh, I guess I'll check it out. Yeah. Oh, and what I'm realizing is that some of these folks, would re- would, they prefer the problem. Right. They prefer yeah. the problem to the solution. This is um, something to think about. Some people have that with health issues. They don't, they don't really want to fix it ever because they no. enjoy having it. It gives them purpose. Like, well, I've had this problem for 10 years. Like, well, here's the – Here's a solution to it. Like people come to me with, you know, type two diabetes. And I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but I, but I, I research these things quite a bit, so I can steer people in the direction. And I'm like, well, if you do this, this, and this, you'll, you can get out of, you can reverse that in months. I've, I've had people do that before, if not less. I've taken people out of insulin resistance in weeks just by modifying a few things. But a lot of people they, they hear that and they're like, nah, it can't be that simple. And and like, no, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. They want to keep having the problem they're having. The playful attitude tells me why not try it. You know, if, if yeah. it's not something that that, yeah, cre- exactly. you know, that really creates truly creates a lot of danger, why not just try it? Here, but it's misplaced fear because then it's like, well, what if I do it and I fail? Well, what if you keep doing what you're yep. doing and you die? Okay, so you know, because guess what? <laughs> exactly. That's that's for sure. Well, I'm gonna die anyway. Well, damn. You know what? Why, are we, why am I talking to a dead man then? Because now I look stupid. I'm talking to the dead. So I'm tired of being stupid. I'm going to walk away from this conversation. But, you know, but here's, a, here's another one, Mike, that really, and Kwame, that really kills me. When, you, when someone pretty much tells you their problem without asking you the problem, and they already tell you the solution, they're like, you know, well, I know I need to be working out. I, you know what's so funny, Sincere? You know, I, I know I'm asking you all this stuff, but I already know what to do. I just don't do it. Okay, so why are we talking again? Because I have things to do. This goes back. I got these seconds of my life. Why aren't you doing it? And if you're not doing it, it's because you don't really care about solving the issue. You know, that's the other thing about people. People are always like, you know, how do we motivate people to do this? How do we get people to do that? It's like, look, you either want to do it or you don't. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do it, you're going to find a way. If you don't want to do it, you're going to find a way not to do it. Yeah, I tell people. And that's another reason that uh, that play is so powerful is because it puts us in the process. So when I see this big looming goal ahead of me, right? Mm-hmm. then, oh, my goodness, I mean, this seems so insurmountable. I see a mountain. I see a forest. Right. Play, 
play puts you into the mode of looking tree by tree. How, what interesting way could I climb this branch? Um, how could I climb this next branch? Oh, that's interesting. There's a bug. And by the, by the time you notice, you're up at the top of the tree. I see this all the time with groups of kids and teens that are playing. They end up sweating. They end up tired. And they have no idea how they got there because right. they were playing. They're focused on the process. The more to me that we focus on playfulness and enjoying movement, uh, I, I think the, the less and less we'll have these medical issues that are insurmountable. Here's the thing I like to say about that. Here's the thing I like to say about that. And I said this the week, and my wife was like, you know what? You need to post it on Facebook. I said, you know, no, I'm going to say that. <laughs> no, but I, I, said, I said, you know what? Usually when people are so off the mark, you know, you always hear that phrase, oh, you know, I acted this way, man. That's because, you know, I was off my meds. You know, and my thing is, yeah, not, me- not necessarily being off medication. Like for me, I know when I'm off my meds, and I mean it like meditation, meaning I'm not in the moment. That's when I'm really off, and that's when I'm off my meds when I say that. And so in this situation, when you're in it, like you just mentioned, Kwame, when they're just right there and they're in the moment, and they're just doing it, they're, they, when they finish, they're like, oh, they're sweating, they're panting, they, but they don't even know how they got there. It's because they were so in the moment, and that's the thing, we're so – we're so disconnected from so many things as a society that we end up not being in the moment and we're too busy. Like I said, just we're lost. We're lost, man. And I think the key word we're looking for, the key phrase here through all this, man, what makes fun, like make play fun is the fact it comes down to one thing, self-discovery. That's what it comes Mm. down to. And I think that's what's missing, especially when it comes to activities with our youth, but also even just as an adult, even if you're just starting out with your own business, if you're going through college, if you're going, if you have a family, you know, if you're trying to go through a relationship with someone else, it's the self-discovery and just removing that. That's why we're so lost, man. It's like we've lost the the actual act of being in the moment and knowing about self-discovery and being surprised like, wow, I didn't know I had that in me. Or, you know, oh, wow, I've really discovered something about myself. Like, you know what? My thinking sucked. It's a little skewed on that. I need to fix that. I need to work on that. And that's the beauty of self-discovery. And that's what's missing in so many things from the youth level all the way to the day we actually are put in the ground or, you know, burned or whatever. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, so, and, and not only self-discovery, but each other discovery and land discovery, and, you know, mm-hmm. environment discovery. Right. I mean, yeah, look at it, parkour all the mm-hmm. way through, you know, what my friend Mick Dodge uh, does with, you know, Barefoot Sensei. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. actually got a show on National Geographic now um, with, with getting people to discover where we came from. I mean, I don't care whether you are uh, Muslim or, or Christian or Buddhist or whatever. We come from the land. We were built from this right. stuff. This, is, right. this stuff is a part of us. Carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and sulfur, clay. We were built from this. So mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, reconnecting with each other is instead of there's me and you, but you are me. We're the, right. we, we, we are part of each other. I don't care what your ideology is. You can't escape the fact that we're inextricably connected. The more people try to run away from that, the more problems we have. Well, so yeah. so it, to it me, it, 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 it puts you into that space where, yeah. where we, we're all connected to each other and where we live. Yeah, that's what I always say. It's the cell theory. It's like each and every one of us is just like the cells in the body. Each cell has a responsibility 
that it must uphold. But at the same time, that cell can't go rogue and be solo and do what it wants to do. That's when you become a cancer. That's when cancer gets involved. And that's when the destruction of the other cells start to happen. You got to understand that, yeah, you have your responsibility, but at the same time, you're not the only one. And you're working together with a collective set of cells in this, this body of existence that we call life. That's what it is. So guess what? There's that whole microcosm of the macrocosm thing going on right here. You're in the, basically, we're all, yeah, we all have our own individuality. We have our own makeup that's going on, our own personalities. But at the same time, we're all composed of the same stuff, man. So therefore, there's no disconnect there. Just do what you have to do to make, make sure that everybody else is going, they're going to be better. They're going to be better, and therefore, we're all functioning. And, and yeah, it may sound hokey or whatever, but so be it. Well, a, lot, a lot of evil you know, in this world happens because people have the attitude of it's not my problem, right? exactly. whether it's, it's their community. We have, we have nationalism where there, there's, there's extreme <laughs> suffering in other countries, but a lot of people in the U.S. will say, well, you know, we've got our own problems here. That's not my problem. And that, that's the <laughs> well, that problematic problem. way of looking at things. <laughs> it is because you know, suffering in general is something that all of us should be concerned about. And, and when, you, when, you try to, when you try to compartmentalize it or isolate it and say, well, let's, let's just focus on this problem because we know that problem is, doesn't have anything to do with us. That's a problematic ideology right there. Right. And like I said, there's that disconnect. And then, you know, I always laugh when people say, you know, there are going to be some people get upset with this. But I don't care. You know, when they say, you know, God bless America. Okay. Or better yet, <laughs> let's, I, I'll do you one better. When someone wins a Grammy, I'll say, you know, I want to thank my Lord and CV Jesus Christ for giving me this award. Like, oh, so Jesus didn't like everybody else? He just liked <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. or we won the Super Bowl. I want to, first of all, I want to thank God, you know, for you know, blessing me with this. And, you know, I'm like, well, so you just trying to say that your yeah, idea of God doesn't like anybody like, else? <laughs> you're like, screw you, God, then based on the, the last one. <laughs> exactly. like, God doesn't love people, that uh, that's way. why I lost. Like, God, that's why one of the things I love to see is, is when teams, I've seen teams pray not for a win. I, I've seen them pray uh, so that no one gets injured. I've exactly. seen them pray so they have a good game. That's the, those are the kinds of things I would love to see people pray for more instead of, exactly, instead of praying for that trophy or praying for that win. <laughs> When Leonardo Machida fought, oh, who did he fight? Mark Munoz, right? And, uh, yeah. and, and Machido knocked him down, and he was about to follow up with another punch, and he realized he was already out, and he stopped. He pulled himself yeah. back. He realized it was unnecessary. And I was like, that yep. was beautiful. I mean, that was perfect sportsmanship because these guys are friends, they're training partners. But also he realized that this is a competitive environment. He already did his job, and he's not looking to just beat up this guy for the sake of beating him up. It's a competitive right. It's a competitive endeavor. He already did what he needed to do, and he had enough discipline in that moment to realize that and pull back. And that was right. really cool to see. Exactly. So, well, yeah. I, have, I have to cut this short, guys, because I've got a uh, – someone's telling me that they're wet. <laughs> I have to change uh, my daughter's diaper. There you go. Thank, thank, thank you for clarifying that. Okay. That happens. Yeah, exactly. I'm not at a strip club. Don't, don't, don't forget, this is an adult show, so you got to really be specific when you say things like that on this show. But it's an adult audience. You're going to make that sound bite. <laughs> well, man, thanks a lot, Kwame, for coming on. Uh, let everybody know where they can find out more about your programs, man, and Active Play. All right, so um, you can go to drkwamebrown.com, uh, the most uh, narcissistic uh, website name ever. Um, and if you go to uh, join our function community, it has some uh, information about uh, what we do, how we put games together, how we share those games. Uh, you know, what I do is not just uh, coming from me. It's crowdsourced from all over the world, really. 
you know, uh, we have uh, games from, you know, as far away from as, as Kenya. We have games from Canada. We have, uh, and, and most of our games were co-created with kids in the moment. Um, and we put them up. We show videos of them. Um, I also break down a lot of the science of child development in a way that people can understand and apply, uh, cutting through all that thick jargon. And, um, you know, in general, we also have, a, uh, once you join the website, um, we have a, a function forum on Facebook where we interact and people come for help to ask questions, uh, to tell a joke, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so I hope that people do uh, go check it out. And, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty approachable. Uh, I'm also senile, so I may forget to uh, contact somebody back. Uh, so I have no problem with being reminded. <laughs> so, um, but I, I really appreciate the opportunity not only to come on, uh, but also Mike to 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 uh, phone meet you. I uh, hope to do it in person oh, one day. And man. sincere to hear your voice again. I, you know, I haven't uh, talked to you in, in in a good little while, so it was great. It was a treat. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All right, fellas. Thank All right, you take care, so. brother. Take care. You have a good one. You too. And that's Dr. Kwame Brown. Make sure you check out more information on him at drkwamebrown.com. That's drkwamebrown.com. So don't spell the word doctor out. Yeah, we know you're smart. Don't have to spell it out. Well, I All like right, the so yeah. concept of play. I mean, in fact, I like to I like to see if I can rip panties off a girl's thighs with just my teeth. And, and you know, that's all about. <laughs> you have to be really focused on the moment. Stop playing. having a good time. Just improving your skill set at the same time too. You know? <laughs> Oh, uh, gosh, man. <laughs> oh, man, man. So let's let everybody, before we head out, man, let's let everybody know what we got going on here, man. Got yeah, we got a lot going on. We have, we have the ultimate course. <laughs> Talk about competition. We have the ultimate course to crush <laughs> all other courses ever in the history of fitness courses. No, I we must have, destroy you. We have, <laughs> we have a great, great course coming up in September. It's me, Mike Mahler, Sincere Hogan, Ken Blackburn, Steve Cotter. So four of us, good friends awesome instructors. We're going to come together and put on a killer event, but we want it to be more than just training where you just show up and we all work out and then everybody goes their separate ways. We want to make this an experience where it's really interactive and fun. So we want to make it real social where we have nighttime activities, where we have everyone staying at the same hotel so we can interact with each other and have a good time. You can even go play some cards, just uh, just have a really good time, have a real Vegas experience here. And you can find out more about the course in a few months when we have it on our site. But what you want to do right now is email either Mike or myself, or either Sincere or Mike. <laughs> Come on, wait, okay, Farrakhan, you're speaking to third person now? <laughs> Mahler didn't say that. Mahler doesn't <laughs> So Mike at LLAPodcast.com, Sincere at LLAPodcast.com. Either one of us is fine. And just put VIP in the subject line. And what's going to happen is we'll add you to our VIP list where you get access to the lowest price possible, meaning that we will announce this course to people on the VIP list first, probably a couple of weeks before we launch it massively on our website. So you'll have first dibs on getting in at the course, not only at the lowest price possible, but making sure you actually get into the course period. Because we have 65 people on that list now. We only have 40 spots for this course. So let's say one-third of those people sign up. You know, the course is going to be fairly filled up, and then once we launch it to the mass market, it's going to fill up real fast. So one, you want to make sure you send us that email to get on the list so you get the lowest price possible, but also to make sure you get into the course because you don't want to miss this course. You don't want to be that guy who 
who had doubts about it or that girl who had doubts about it. And then you hear about everyone, when you see people lighting up Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Google Plus and just giving us the feedback on the podcast about the course, seeing photos that people are taking, having a blast, having the time of their lives, having a good time interacting with us and similar-minded people. You don't want to be that person that's going, man, I should have pulled the trigger on that. So make right. sure that you don't miss out on the course. Definitely, definitely. And also, in the meantime, you can hop over to both of our websites and use the coupon code LLA. If you hop over to newwarriortraining.com, that'll get you 30% off of the physical or digital copy of my bodyweight training DVD, as well as 30% off of my current web management 101 course that is over there at my website. Well, I've seen people already jumped on that since the last episode. So there might be some treats coming along with that. So you definitely want to sign up for that. Again, it's basically helping you take control of your own health and not necessarily hand it over to all the media jack-offs out there. I'm just going to be straight up, straight <laughs> up with that. You know, everybody, all the magazines, they tell you to eat this way, eat that way, eat this amount of meals a day, you know, do this diet, follow that diet. This helps you cut through all that stuff. So you, you know what's crazy this year is how, is how there are more – there, there are probably more eating disorders in the fitness community than outside of it. Of course. Hell yeah. It's amazing, it's amazing to me that there are, there, are, I, there are many fitness professionals who I know for a fact have eating disorders who give advice on how to be healthy and so forth. Exactly. They, they may look healthy. You know, they're, they're nice and lean, and they got this nice smile on their face on their Photoshop photos and their look professional like. photos and so forth, but they're not healthy internally. Just because somebody looks like they're the embodiment of health, right? They're ripped and they got this nice muscular physique. That doesn't always mean that what's going on internally is healthy. They could have gut issues. They could have serious hormonal problems that are going to spiral at some point. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's what's happened in our industry is that people have become so pedantic about what they eat that it's become an eating disorder. It's, a new where it's causing yeah. more stress than the healthy eating that they're doing is nullified by the stress that's created from it because they can't even – these are the people who – who never deviate from their diet ever, meaning that you know they're not going to have a cheat meal or they're not going to have a little bit more of this and that. They're always focused on what – their whole day is revolving around what they what, can eat or can't eat. Can't eat, exactly. Ortho, man, orthorexia is real, son. Yeah, <laughs> my, it, it, is it is real. It is. Orthorexia, yeah. look it up. To my, it, it's, it's real, and it's not spoken about enough, in my opinion. I think that we should definitely get a show around the, like, all these fitness eating disorders. And yeah. how these people are straight up promoting this lifestyle. I use the word life loosely okay, in that entire situation. But we definitely need to talk about that. And that's one of the reasons why I worked with um, this guy, Art, with this, this weight management program. Because we're tired of all the fad diets, man. And all this is the right way to eat and this is the wrong way to eat. And it gets to the point where people just forget how to eat and what to eat anymore. And it makes this is all self-explanatory. It makes it very easy to understand. There's nothing complicated about it, but you know what? You leave this thing, especially with the PDFs, the audio, the video, all these different forms of media to support what you're learning. It makes you have a better informed decision on how you're going to move forward with your health instead of stepping backwards with all the BS that they keep throwing at you, man. So yeah, make sure you check that out. And on the flip side, man, um, again, use coupon code LLA to get to be a part of the Weight Management 101 course. What do you have, Mike, as well on your website, brother? Yeah, you can use coupon code LLA to get 10% off 
best nutrition supplements out there, my testosterone booster, my recovery oil to help you sleep like a baby at night. And, you know, it's funny, I've been taking the recovery oil in the morning and I haven't been putting it on, on at night for a while just because I've been taking it for a while. I haven't been dosing it twice a day. And I put it on last night before I went to sleep because I was a little wired and bam, knocked me out, deep, vivid dreams, slept really well, woke up refreshed today. So, I mean, sometimes you forget the advice that you give to other people and you have to be right. reminded from them. Like, hey, I took this last night, I slept like a baby. It's like, well, man, I haven't done that in a while. I need to do that. Right. Bam, there you go. And then my Restorezon, which helps with inflammation, excess inflammation, which causes joint pain, muscle pain, any kind of pain in the body. You know, every health issue manifests itself from excess inflammation. So you can check out more information, everything you need to know to make a decision at MikeMahler.com. Use that coupon code LLA to get 10% off. And realize that I have volume discounts with more orders. So if you order five bottles of my recovery oil or my Restorezyme, you get a way bigger discount. And then you can use that coupon code on top of that to get an additional 10% off. Same thing with my testosterone booster. If you buy three bottles, it's free shipping, and each bottle is only $39.95. And then you can use that coupon code to get an additional 10% off. So now it's about 36 bucks a bottle. And you know, three bottles will last you a long time. So it's not like that's something you'll need to do every month. So anyway, everything you need to know is over there at MikeMahler.com. Perfect. All right, folks. So hop over to our website, take advantage of this coupon code. Also, make sure you send those emails to Mike at LLAPodcast.com or Sincere at LLAPodcast.com. Get on that VIP list for that big, badass Vegas experience coming up in September. You don't want to miss out. And we said that, and we're going to keep saying that until September. Or until it sells out. And then we're just going to remind you that what you missed out on after it sells out. I get my kisses come July. We'll be saying, by the way, folks, we're sold out. It's like, how come you guys aren't talking about that course anymore? It's been it's sold out. And it's been sold, sold out for a while. <laughs> exactly. Lately, and... You have 65 people on the list or like, I can't wait to sign up for this thing. Now, we know a lot of people just talking. A good chunk of those people aren't going to sign up. I don't have any illusions that, you know, 65 people are going to sign up just like that. That possibility is there. But more than likely, at least 20 people are going to sign up right out of the gate on that. And then we're definitely going to get another 20 easily from all of our collective promotion methods. The course is going to sell out. That's a certainty. Exactly. So get on it, folks, and keep your feedback coming. And we'll see each and every one of you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Take care.